0: Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement, as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself. I've created some free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com, or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder, that's Fit period Responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast.
1: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I am your host, Lloyd. Today... I have a cop who, unfortunately, is going to have to explain a lot of stuff away because Minnesota looks bad and we're just going to blame him for it. I have Patches O'Houlihan. Patches, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? You're fucking hiding the, the accent, by the way. When we first started talking before the record, you were all about the accent. And now you're trying to hide it. Just let it out, man. This is a safe space. Oh, you betcha, you don't you know? Uh, put it away. <laughs> Make it stop. Thanks for coming on, man. I I I knew the first person from Minnesota. I, I'm not gonna make this all about everything that happened, but obviously you know that stuff's gonna come up. So I, I appreciate you being a big a, a big sport, a good sport about it. But before we get too serious about anything,
0: are you having anything to drink, good sir? Don't you worry. I got uh two beers right now. I have my uh, just regular nice beer to drink, and I actually have a heavier beer because you know we got to get a little fucked up when we're drinking on this podcast. So. I have a homebrew cranberry wit beer. And then next to it, I have a English barley wine uh, that's 13%. So we're ready to go. We're ready to talk. Let's do this.
1: Give your balls a tug, you Ted fucker.
0: Those are sounding pretty bougie, buddy. Well, so the cranberry wit beer is something I actually made myself. You know, I mean, just uh, being a, a brewer in my, my off time. And then the uh, barley wine is just a nice little treat.
1: All right. I don't mean to make fun, but I'm going to actually I do. I do mean, mean, make fun. That's what I do. We're going to talk another one about another one of your hobbies and you have the hobby of brewing. Let me just guess you're single. No, I'm not actually. Holy shit. A unicorn.
0: I know. Right. I, I've been with my girlfriend for about four years. Uh, she seems to stick around for all my lame hobbies, but you know That's just uh, the way it rolls. Fair enough. I got to give big thanks.
1: I haven't tried beer in a while on the podcast, and I had a good friend of the podcast send me two that I'm going to try. They're from Blacktooth Brewing, which is out of Wyoming. I don't know how to drink them because they didn't come with the Velcro gloves, so I'm not quite sure how how these are supposed to be drank. But apparently it's the official beer of Wyoming, where men are men and sheep tremble. And this is the 307 lager I'm about to
0: try. You know, there's nothing wrong with the good lager. That's just uh, refreshing, and you can drink a lot of them. One of my favorite styles.
1: It's not too bad. Not too bad. I feel like I'm a, I am like Ambers, I think, for the most part, and that that's the next one. We'll talk about that one when we get there. I'm trying not to get too toasted because I have a lot of podcasts coming out, and I'm getting old. My liver is just not what it used to be, so I'm going to try and take it slow, but I say that now, and I'll be drinking whiskey from a bottle by the end of here, but that's Okay.
0: I mean, I kind of missed the segment that you do where you'd PBT yourself and we'd guess where you were at. It was it was a good segment. I might bring it back. You know why we honestly haven't done it in a while? Because the that? PBT PBT went upstairs and I was too lazy to bring it down. I was thinking about doing it myself, <laughs> but uh, I left my PBT in my squad and I wasn't. Uh, I'm too lazy to go out and get it.
1: Well, it's like winter there, right? So it's it's very cold. I imagine. Minnesota
0: is basically Wyoming or not Wyoming is, is basically Canada. You know, uh, it all really depends what part of Minnesota you're in. I mean, being that uh, I'm part of like central Minnesota, or I guess uh, South Central uh, being part of the Metro, it's not as cold as it is, like up in Thief River Falls, which is just freezing. And I couldn't even imagine how cold it is for them. So to, to paint the picture
1: here a little bit, by the way, the PPT thing, I think that should happen. I was drinking on Thanksgiving. All right, I'll paint the picture in a second. Now I'm distracted. Thanks a lot. The PBT, I I brought it I had it with my brothers for Thanksgiving. That's how it actually made its way back downstairs. I'm fucking lazy, man. I need to work on that. But we found it to be incredibly unreliable because we were all shit-faced and like one time it would blow zeros, one time it would blow, you know, like four and I'm like all of us are fucking over the limit. So, I may have to just invest in a little bit better PBT for it to be a little more fun, I think, because this one, I've lost my trust with this one also.
0: What is it, that like a $100 PBT, the one that it's like on Amazon or it's advertised everywhere?
1: Oh, uh, dude, I paid like 30 bucks for this. So that explains probably a lot.
0: Uh, I was going to say that's a lot right there. I- I've tried those PBTs that aren't like the ones that we use, right? Uh, that are like the $100 PBT even. I mean, they're just trash. I mean, now it's nice just to have my own PBT to, I mean, test myself. And we have a lot of fun with it here at my house.
1: So the $100 ones are trash too, is what you're telling
0: me? Yeah, if, you, if you're if you going to get a PBT, you got to invest in the good ones. And I mean, Fuck. that's that's the worst part about it. You know, you would think with all the,
1: the drunk driving we have in this nation, that would be something a little more readily accessible and not so damn expensive.
0: I mean, in what Minnesota... Tarnation? I would say in Minnesota, I think it's one in seven uh, Minnesotans has a DWI on their record, so. Well, I mean, what do you got to do there? Play hockey, get drunk, fuck. That's all you guys do. I mean, you're not wrong, and I mean. And overdose
1: on fentanyl. I forgo- almost forgot the big one.
0: Now we've got that rainbow fentanyl that's been coming up into Minnesota, and that stuff's just crazy. I mean, the overdoses are just insane. Uh, I had a gal that I revived twice in a week, and it, it's – you just can't stop the uh pandemic of it
1: no we're gonna go pandemic i was gonna go off and lose my shit but you know what it's cool if people kill themselves with drugs that's not a big problem but everything else is a problem but what do i know oh my god that was loud thanks microsoft for the notification anyway back to the podcast I i wanted to paint a picture a little bit on the timing of this podcast, so everybody knows playing at home. I don't think anybody cares, but it's December 5th. This will come out, I think, December 29th. You don't know this, but you have a little, a lot of pressure, not a little, but a lot of pressure because the two podcasts before this, which I have not recorded yet, are not going to be normal podcasts. You are the last normal podcast of the year. So I don't want you to freak out or anything, but the people are expecting a lot of you. Can you handle it?
0: I mean, I handled the pressure in Brooklyn Center and in Minneapolis during the riots. Let's go. Well, all right. Fucking let's have at it. A little bit of co- liquid confidence, you know? Hell yeah. So
1: we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, let's know about you. Patches a hulahan. why did you become a cop?
0: So a little bit about me is uh, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. Uh, My first, uh, I guess, look into law enforcement was as I had a friend of the family that was in law enforcement It was a deputy, and he recruited me into law enforcement explorers. And I was was a comic book nerd, enjoyed kind of superheroes. And that's what led me into uh, just seeing what law enforcement was. And I just really respected the uh, deputies in my area. So I was in law enforcement explorers growing up. From there, I went on to college. In college, I worked hospital security at, a, uh, I mean, at 18 to get into hospital security. I don't recommend it to anybody. I think you should be a little bit older getting into this job. But it really was an eye-opening experience. So, I mean, I got in because I had really a passion for helping others. I mean, that's, you know, everybody says that. But, uh, you know, my family was very service-minded. My grandfather was in the Navy, and he was a huge influence in my life that had, a, had one rule, and that was uh, utter uttermost honesty and treat people with respect. And he uh, was such a big influence on me that it was my way to kind of give back and be part of something that was bigger than myself.
1: You mentioned hospital security, and I know a few others that have been on the podcast have mentioned it, but we I don't think we talked about it a whole lot. Do you think that was a good, you said you rec- didn't recommend it, but do you think it was a good stepping stone as far as it allowed you to kind of see how people act and how I would to interact
0: t- with people? I would tell anybody that's going into law enforcement that really wants to test themselves or to like really see if they can do this job to work hospital security, because it's unconventional, right? You're dealing with people that are always at their worst. I got more fights working hospital security than I, I mean, more fights in one week than I've been in in my four and a half years in law enforcement. It was uh, utter chaos of just like when I started in hospital security, it was probably about 20 15, or it was 2014 is when I started and it was kind of still that bouncer mindset right of we just you get people put in restraints uh you rough them up a little bit and that was it but then probably like that was right around when Ferguson happened in 2015 and the mindset started to switch to more de-escalation and talking and uh I remember my first year of working in it I had a uh there was an older guy that worked there uh his name was Ed and he uh was a retired uh, probation officer and ed saw me and kind of took me under his wing and i'll never forget we're dealing with this patient with a knife to his neck and the patient's screaming and yelling that he's going to stab someone he's going to hurt someone and he's in a locked room and ed swings open the door and he's old school i mean the guy's retired but he just didn't give a hell didn't give a fuck i mean he walks into the room looks at this kid and says now why do you want to stab someone why do you want to hurt yourself and the kid's yelling at him, screaming in his face, and Ed just puts his hand on the kid's shoulder. The kid sets down the knife and starts crying, and Ed just starts talking to this kid. And the kid goes, "Well, you guys took my bag of weed," and Ed goes, "Well, how much did you pay for that bag of weed?" And it's just like a, a Ziploc bag, right? Nothing that, not a big amount. And uh, the kid goes, "Well, I paid forty bucks." Ed looks at him and goes, "Well, I paid five bucks back in my day for that kind of shit." And uh, the kid just stopped yelling. I mean, he just really like it was so stupid, but the kid just like really just relaxed and, uh, Ed was able to get this kid to give up the knife, was able to get this kid the help that he needed. And, you know, in a a hospital, it's not about roughing people up. It's not about, uh, I mean, even when people deserve it, right? Like it's trying to get them the help that they need. And if people don't open up and talk, then it's just basically like staying a night in jail. Oh, they sit there and they wait for the, uh, doc to clear them and they get out, but this kid actually got some help. I was able to reach out to Ed a year later and thank him for just listening to him that night. Yeah, I think cops can be,
1: and I know that was not a cop story, but you're a cop. You know where I'm going with this. We all can be kind of guilty of being impatient, especially if you work somewhere busy and you have all these fucking calls pending. And you're like, I don't have time to do this. Guess what? We never think about it. And again, I'm not like saying to compromise safety or anything, but I guarantee the few minutes it takes generally, not always, sometimes it takes a little while, it's going to be a whole lot less time than fighting with the dude, all the reports, all the, you know, everything else that comes with it. It does make a big difference when you just slow down a little bit, talk to somebody, pretend you don't even have a badge on, just talk to him a little bit.
0: You know, and that's that's a big part of what I've found in my time in law enforcement and just even doing hospital security, uh, you know, to transition it to law enforcement, right? At the end of my career with the agency I worked for, I became a crisis negotiator, and I always have had really just a passion. And if you have the time, the ability, and the safety, right, never compromising officer safety, but if you can just talk to someone and listen, that's what most people want. I mean, I've dealt with asshole drunks to... The nicest people in the world right that you're resting for DWI but just sitting there and listening sometimes makes the difference and uh, having a, a positive interaction
1: so to jump a little bit to negative interactions that you had nothing to do with but hey we all wear the same uniform or wore the same uniform so we're all the same person right so you worked you worked in one agency and then you moved to another agency recently right
0: so I worked for uh, I worked in the our metro suburb uh, when I began my career. I did that for four years, and then I just recently transitioned to work for the state. Uh, just more opportunities with the state, and more opportunity to do what I'm more passionate about. And uh, it's been a pretty jo- enjoyable experience. The only thing I would say I wouldn't recommend going through another academy after you've been a cop. Uh, academies suck ass, and it was a terrible experience. But I did learn a lot from it, and. I've never gotten so much uh, evoc training, so that was pretty cool too.
1: So, Minnesota, uh, I'll, I'll I'm going to skip a little bit ahead to one of the Instagram questions, and it was, "Can you guys stop fucking shit up?" Now, that's, that's... I think that's. <laughs> no, what are' you going to say?
0: I, I was going to say. So it's funny that you say that. So, uh, it's been a pretty crazy two last two years in law enforcement, and. You know, it's being part of the mobile field force. uh, When I was, we had a saying of uh, it's not when it's if, right. Or, and it's not, if it's when, and when's the next big incident going to happen? When's the next call out going to happen? Being on the mobile field force, we'd always say too, I mean, we get more action than SWAT these days because we're getting into more and more shit and it's just every situation blows up because everybody wants instant answers, but as you, we all know, we, we don't get instant answers with police interactions. We can't, (laughs) you know, we can't, there's, we got to investigate these things. We got to look into it. You can't just have an instant answer from every investigation. And yeah, it's been, it's been pretty shitty in Minnesota. I mean, for a long time, we avoided the spotlight, but it finally just came to the Midwest and it hit us hard.
1: Where I was going to go with that is do you, and this is a total fucking loaded bullshit question, but what are your thoughts overall on Minnesota law enforcement? Were those just like two really out of character things for that state? And it just happened to happen in Minnesota. I mean, here's, I I hate even asking that. So let me put some context behind it because I'm kind of a big believer in I I don't want to say it could happen to everybody because we're not going to all do that same type of shit, but I think it could happen in any state, but I guess maybe the better way to ask this, I'm trying to articulate myself here is, I mean, overall in law law enforcement in Minnesota, do you think it is professional? Do you think there is high standards in Minnesota or is it, you know, agency to agency kind of thing?
0: You know, it's funny that you asked that because I've really reflected on that personally, especially with, you know, being in my own backyard, right? Uh, We're pretty well regulated in Minnesota. I mean, it takes a two or or a four year degree to get your post license and you have to test for that license. And I, I don't think other states have, I know, I think Colorado had a post license or the, the post licensing board or something like that. But uh, I think it was two isolated incidents that just, I mean, really shed a light. And uh, I mean, it was the straw that broke the, I mean, George Floyd was the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. It was something that it was coming. I mean, it was a matter of time. I mean, look at the past incidents, right. We don't look at Missouri. We don't look at Colorado. Uh, I mean, Colorado had two pretty high profile incidents I think within the last couple of years. And it's uh, you can only do so much and train so well, so hard, right? Eventually you're going to have people that make mistakes and the news is looking they're bloodthirsty for that kind of stuff right now.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize that you had to have a degree in Minnesota to be a cop.
0: I mean, it's it's, in Minnesota, we, you have to like I said, a two or a four year and it's interesting because I mean, (laughs) it's not interesting. I mean, this is something everyone should have seen coming, but I have friends that work uh, and they help teach skills classes and they just aren't getting people back in the day. I mean, it was hard to get into skills. It was hard to be hired as a cop. I mean, this is everywhere happening in Minnesota, but uh, when a Metro agency that used to get thousands of applications is only getting 10 applications or you're seeing agencies get 13 candidates for four jobs. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is crazy. So the George Floyd thing, I, I really don't dive into like the meat of it a whole lot because it's just been so, I don't know. We've talked about it a million times when I say we, I mean the country collectively, you know, I look at that and I'm like, they put dude in a rescue position. The last two years don't happen. Am I crazy for thinking that?
0: No, I think there's a lot of, I mean, like, what, what happened with it is I have to refrain from some of the stuff I say about it, right? But what I can say is that if ta- if there was different tactics to that whole situation, this whole thing could have been avoided. Do I think that, like, if an incident like that was to occur or, like, if something else was to happen? I mean, it was a powdered keg waiting to blow, right? I mean, look at Ferguson. Look at uh, all these incidents that were leading up to George Floyd. And I, I reference Ferguson a lot just because, I mean, to me, that was another catalyst moment, right, for law enforcement in the United States. But uh, it was it was just waiting to happen. And then, of course, this happens here in Minnesota. I mean, there's so many simple fixes that could have been done, right, or even just, like, culture changes. Minneapolis uh, has really struggled the last couple of years. And, I mean, it's their department's not getting cops. They're down hundreds of cops in the city is just not getting the service that it needs. I mean, it's becoming more and more violent, like every big U S city.
1: Yeah. I think the difference with Ferguson is there, I mean, it was out as like, it was a criminal issue with that particular incident, but you know, it turned out it wasn't, there was nothing criminal done by, uh, uh, what was his name? Darren,
0: uh, was it Darren Wilson?
1: Yeah. Darren Wilson. There was no, you know, they, the OJ said, no, there was nothing criminal. It, you know, they, you know, hammered the department for doing some shit. But at the end of the day, it looked like it appears that he did nothing wrong. But it didn't, you know, I, I think with George Floyd, there's the video of it. And I mean, I think anybody rational person watches that video and you're like, this is this, what are we doing here? This is bad. So, you know, and then you had I don't want to talk too much about COVID, but you had everybody been kind of locked indoors for COVID. And then that happened and it was just like. Everybody was so upset anyway it was just this huge powder cake and then and then um what was it Brooklyn Park or Brooklyn Center happened like a year later gonna, right
0: did you get out now were you out during covid or did you get out before covid
1: i got out in may of 2021 everything I, covid yep i worked through covid and then covid was still a thing in colorado but when i moved to iowa covid
0: was over that's there was like, no
1: more COVID. It was crazy. It it's just matter, like
0: different parts of Minnesota too, right? Like you move out from the metro areas and you go back to the small towns. And it was like COVID wasn't a thing. But, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because I think to myself a lot about how things were when COVID happened, right? March of 2020, law enforcement was heroes. I mean, we were out there. We're doing the job. People were bringing us treats. People were uh, thanking you as you walked into stores, right? I mean, it limited people that were out, but people would be so thankful when they saw a cop. And then you go literally to May. Uh, I mean, May 26th, that's a day that's forever ingrained in my mind because May 27th, I was a big villain and we were terrible human beings that uh, everything we, our uniforms just made us. I mean, you were scared to go home because you had people that were following cops home uh, from your department.
1: Plug for officer privacy, by the way. So, what was it like? And, and obviously I know you probably can't go into too many details, but what, I mean, you were on the ground and basically we'll call it ground zero for all of this because you were in the, that area. I mean, what was it like? I mean, how long did everything go on? Like, was it worse certain days or the beginning or did it get worse? I, I guess mean, tell your story if you can.
0: It was, like I said, uh, I kind of, we talked a little bit about it before the podcast, but I, I remember uh, I worked a night shift before I saw the video come out that night and it was circulating social media. My buddy sent it to me and he's like, Hey man, check this out. I watched it. I showed it to a couple of coworkers and like, we kind of looked at it. We're like, Ooh, that does not look good. And we're like, there's gotta be more to that story. Right. And you go to bed, you wake up the next day and the whole world's on fire. I mean, emergency calls were coming into work. I mean, people were getting paged in. I remember, uh, we, there was no mobile field force. That wasn't a thing in Minnesota. Like we didn't have teams set up to deal with this kind of stuff and uh i just remember buildings being on fire i mean the streets were you go from nobody on the streets during covid to a bunch of people out protesting right and uh i i worked i i worked night shift for my first three years as a cop and then uh or i guess my first four years as a cop and then the last half year i kind of worked days uh for when i was working for my last agency uh, and I'm back on nights now, but irrelevant to the point, but working nights, I remember watching the live streams and I remember one guy, we got a call that someone was following one of the looters home. And, uh, I was watching the live stream. I saw this guy steal a snowblower and I go and I stop the car. Cause this caller followed the guy all the way out of Minneapolis. And I look in the car and I see the guy that stole the snowblower and I see the snowblower in his backseat. And I was like, Hey man, I just saw you on Facebook live, stealing that snowblower, get out of the car. And I mean, jail wasn't accepting people. So you just write writing citations. Uh, I was on the top of a ramp outside of South Minneapolis and I was watching the city burn and the piles of smoke. I mean, there's, there's so many stories, I guess, to break it down. I don't want to just have one big block of talking about it, but it, it was just, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. There's nothing you can say that uh, it was like a war zone, to be honest with you.
1: You know, and we just talked to the Syrian cop on the podcast like a month ago or two. And that was a quote from him Is like, ah, it's bad, but not as bad as Minneapolis. That's pretty fucking bad. We're talking about an American city.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, and just even talking when you're, I listened to that podcast with him and I was kind of laughing at some of the things he said. But, and you know, many, I mean, I got to, I got to plug my city, right? Like, Minneapolis has changed drastically since then and things are starting to come back but i mean i think everyone's biggest fear that's from minnesota is that minneapolis is going to become like detroit right and just continuously fall apart
1: well what's the what's the industry in minneapolis
0: i mean for a long time it was beer (laughs) we had uh the hams factory that was here but that got sourced out uh target corporation i mean. There's a lot of, I mean, but after Floyd, I mean, like everything started to go, started to leave the cities. I mean, a lot of the stuff has moved out to the suburbs, but we lost a lot of the big corporations. I mean, downtown is nothing like it used to be. I'm a a young guy. Uh, I used to go out downtown, but I wouldn't even, I would never go out downtown these days just because, I mean, it's just not the same as it used to be. A lot of the bars are closed that we used to go to and uh, you go out on a Friday night and there's a lot less people out there.
1: Prior to George Floyd, though, Minneapolis was not a nice place, though, right? Or was that are reports of that overblown?
0: I think it was overblown, to be honest. I mean, like, I've traveled a little bit around the United States and seen different kinds of cities. And I would say Minneapolis, I mean, and part of it, I'm biased, right? I'm from Minnesota, but Minneapolis will always have, uh, it has great industries here, right? Like the brewing industry, I mean, I'm kind of biased. I'm a big beer fan, but there's so many great breweries that are around Minneapolis. Uh, There's a lot of great food, a lot of great restaurants. Like if you come to the cities, it's kind of nice because versus going to like a big city like Houston or Dallas, right, where everything's just so far away. I mean, everything's close around the Twin Cities. Uh, It's easy to get around. The highways aren't too bad. Sure, we have traffic like everybody else, but Minneapolis, is. uh, it has its rough spots, but it's not as bad as Detroit. It's not as bad as uh Philadelphia i mean like it's it's a pretty decent area
1: now you said it's decent was that before or is it becoming decent like cuz you said you wouldn't go out anymore is that kind of a thing cuz you said some of it was coming back too
0: it it is coming back i mean i'm i'm saying like i wouldn't go out downtown you know how kind of cities work like you got your yeah. your different districts right like i mean the two areas that i wouldn't recommend ever going out to right now are uptown and downtown uh, which were thriving spots in the cities before, but now, I mean, they're just overridden and everything's closed. I mean, it's, it's really sad. Uh, but I mean, before, I mean, I'd say before 2020 it was fine to come down to Minneapolis. It was fine to go uptown. It was fine to go downtown. Like business and industry was thriving quite a bit, but now it's, uh, it's coming back, but only so much at a time. Right.
1: I, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about Minneapolis because that's not really fair to you because this isn't the patches O'Hallahan Minneapolis hour but I I think all of us are kind of curious on it's just weird to me that Minnesota like seemingly the most chill state there is has fucking Minneapolis in it <laughs> like is that weird I, I mean that's an outsider's perspective.
0: No, it's, it's funny because Minneapolis is, I mean, it's a very unique city, right? I mean, for the Midwest, when you think about it, we're surrounded by uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and, and Wisconsin. And to be honest with you, I mean, you have Milwaukee, right, and Chicago, and a lot of our crime comes up through uh, the chicago, uh, Chicago-Milwaukee chicago pipeline. And uh, Minneapolis is, is so unique just because of where it's located. I mean... You really don't have anything in South Dakota or North Dakota, and if I find some South Dakotans or North Dakotans, come at me. I mean, like, what, at what at is me, there bro. to do out there? Come at me, bro. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what what what's out there? What what can you do? Uh, but it's it's one of the biggest cities with, uh, I guess, the most to do there, right? I mean, in the Midwest, there is a lot of industry that's popping. There's a lot of uh, good jobs that you can get in Minneapolis and St. Paul. I mean, the Twin Cities uh, are very unique, if you ask me about anywhere in the United States.
1: By the way, I can't believe you blamed Milwaukee and Chicago on Minneapolis's problems. Do you need to build Oof. a wall?
0: I mean, like, to be honest with you, a lot of the policies that are coming up from Chicago are starting to seep into Minneapolis, and it's really sad. And whatever comeback that I, I just said that we're having is probably going to go downhill from here. So Sorry. Chicago is such a great city. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Great leadership.
1: Yeah, I'm a little. <laughs> I I mentioned on one of the prior ones, but I bought Metallica tickets and I'm gonna go see them in Chicago in like two years. And I I'm, I'm a little scared, you know, because scared is the wrong word, right? You know, it's a big city. I've been to big cities, but I mean, my kids are fucking like, we don't want to go to Chicago. Chicago sucks. I'm like, it'll be all right. Probably I was a little
0: surprised be you be picked fucking. Chicago over Minneapolis, but I mean, they're not I coming guess... to Minneapolis. Yeah, they are coming to US Bank Stadium for two days.
1: Why did I pick Chicago then?
0: Probably because you're you've heard uh all the lies and not. Nah, I mean, it's not all lies, but it's you cool probably shit. heard a lot of stories about. You Minneapolis. just told me the whole city burnt down. Fuck off.
1: Yeah, I was between that and St. Louis. I didn't even realize they were playing in Minneapolis. I must have missed it, and I, I mean, decided. Like against st louis because i've been to st louis and i don't really want to go back that's fair all right we're gonna take a quick break and be right back to the podcast so you didn't get what you wanted for christmas don't worry i've got you covered old lloyd's gonna take care of you you can head over to ghostpatch.com and get a hold of any one of the famous and well-made poorly made police memes coins or patches we got a bunch of them we got achievement coins all kinds of good stuff and then on my merch the poorly made police memes spring store a link in my bio and on this podcast description everything is still on sale until january 2nd put in the code xmas22 at checkout until january 2nd and you'll still get a discount so you can make up for all the shitty gifts you got and buy yourself something nice now back to the podcast. Let me ask this. So, obviously, Minneapolis has had some problems. Oh, we need to talk about Kim Potter. Hold on. Hold on a second. Pump the brakes. You have to explain Kim Potter. Just
0: kidding. Yeah, that, not- that, we, we, we can't explain that one. I mean, that one, that one was pretty close to home for us. I mean, uh, it's just such a shit show, right? I, I'll never forget that day because I remember, again, that's another one that you just can't forget because. We were waiting uh, for the verdict to come out about George Floyd. And then that happens right in the middle of the trial. And it's like, it just, you couldn't even get a break. I mean, it was just like, we were, I mean, so many cops were so burnt out and tired. And then it's like, all right, now we're going into BC and it's, we're trying to save that police department. I mean, I don't think anyone, you can't take it away. I don't know how many states where it's happened where a police department's burnt down. But when the third precinct burnt down during George Floyd, that was such a monumentous moment that like, I mean, those cops were, I, I had a friend that was in that and he said, and he quit law enforcement. Cause he's like, it was like being back in Iraq when his, when uh, the third precinct burnt down. And then we go into Brooklyn center and there was talks of us letting go of the police department. And I, I was like, I, I don't ever want to be a part of, I don't ever want that in my career to happen another department to burn down.
1: You know, this might be a little bit controversial but I look at the Kim Potter thing as a hundred percent different than George Floyd I have my own thoughts on George Floyd but we're not going to talk about that Kim Potter that dude had a pretty serious warrant a violent warrant and was trying to drive away in the car the I know the argument the defense brought up was her partner was like about to get drugged if she knew that and shot the guy, to me, it's almost a non-issue. You're yeah, about I to mean... kill a cop. You're about to kill a cop. The problem, though, is that it's not what she saw. It's she just she yelled, taser, 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 and then shot the dude. So you, I don't know why the defense decided that was a good idea because it's clear as day on body camera what it was. I know it's like one of those things like I almost feel bad for her because I know that's not what she planned to do. But, like, again, we're making this dude to be a hero, and he fucking put himself in that position.
0: And the crazy part is, is Kim Potter was a very well-respected cop uh, before this all happened. And I guess for me, that sort of is an example. Of, I mean, plug officer privacy again, right? I mean, that, that could happen to any of us. I remember the details that were at her house because people were pounding on her doors, and uh, her husband was a cop. Like, it... I mean, you, you just can't make that shit up. Right. Like for that to happen in such a critical era to happen. And like, I mean, George Floyd and, uh, or the, the Chauvin versus Kim Potter, right. Two very distinct, very different situations. And I don't think anyone could have predicted that shit to come. And it was just like the camel's backs already broken. Right. But you just keep adding to it. And, uh, shit just kept getting worse and worse. And I, I remember during those times wondering like, when does it get better? Right. Like, we were, I was watching friends and uh, leave law enforcement. Like, I mean, we were losing people left and right. And that's, you can't recover from that. I mean, it takes months to train a cop. And what do you do when everyone's jumping ship?
1: Well, and the other thing too, is it takes months to train, but you'll never get that experience back.
0: No, it'll, and, it'll uh, be
1: different experience. I'm not saying people can't be experienced, but. And we've, we've hinted at it. And we've talked about it for the last two years is you can't replace experience and you have some really good people walking away, deciding This is fucking too much. I ain't doing this shit no more. And we are, we haven't even paid the price for that yet.
0: Well, and You've mentioned it in past podcasts with some of the veterans that you've talked to in this profession. Right. But like, where does, I mean, now more than ever, you have two, two year cops that are FTOing. Right that are training these new cops that are coming in. I mean, you have a whole generation or I guess generation, but you know, a whole breed of cops that came out during COVID when people were told not to be proactive or people were told not to do traffic stops and that was the way they're trained and now they're training people in. And so you've lost all this investigative experience. You've lost the cops that were from, uh, I mean, you don't have any nineties cops really in Minnesota anymore. You don't have any, I mean, most departments are very young departments. And so it's, you know what, the young officer, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to do things that aren't conventional because they don't have that experience or they haven't been taught uh, how to communicate, right?
1: Yeah, it's, I'm going to make this prediction and hope that I'm wrong, but I would not be the least bit surprised in the next couple of years, especially Oh, I don't know. 2024 during the election cycle. I have a lot of concern about a lot of police departments. And yeah, I I sure I make jokes on in funny pictures on the internet, but I am really concerned about the immaturity on some police departments based on just my perception. I well, I don't know. I I am worried that, you know, there's going to be some bad shit happening and not necessarily because they're bad people, because they got bad training and continue to get bad training. I I think to be a a well-rounded cop, you really have to be nurtured well, I think. Oh, hey there. It's me. I usually don't add stuff into the podcast, but I felt like it was important in this circumstance. Me and my guests are about to talk about the uh, situation that's probably at this point like a month old uh where like the tampa chief resigned because uh of the golf cart stop i'm sure most of you guys have seen by now i had not seen it at the time that we talked about it after watching the video my opinion has changed a little bit there i don't have an issue with her badging the dude that next sentence there is what i had some issues with you know her basically saying hey i hope you don't charge me that's what people say when we pull them over like, the same type of shit. You're a police chief. You fucking know better. So, I I don't know. And plus, you know, fuck the brass. So, I don't have a whole lot of love lost for her. But But I, I wanted to add this in because I didn't want to take out everything else we talked about because I still thought it was relevant and good information. So, there's context. Based on what I'm seeing on social media, people have a lot of different takes on this. And a lot of cops are disagreeing. I'm sure at some point, probably before this, because things are getting recorded out of order, we'll probably talk about it. But I just wanted to add that in for context.
0: The standards are getting harder out there, right? I mean, look what happened in Miami, right? With this chief that just got fired or didn't get fired. She resigned, but it was put on administrative leave because she badged uh, another cop when she got pulled over with her husband driving a golf cart uh, for some license plate issue for the golf cart driving on the street. She showed her badge. She didn't demand anything from the officer. Uh, She was kind. She just said, hey, I'm a Miami police chief, just letting you know, and she's, talks with the officer they have a conversation and then the city turns out and says this is, a, this is an ethics issue i mean what's up with that shit right like
1: somebody he, sent me the video and i haven't watched it yet
0: but so... it's just it's frustrating i get i i, I get <laughs> sometimes i get a little passionate about things but it's just it you watch that kind of thing happen and I, I don't know what that chief was like or if she was a good chief or not but just see another person lose lose their job over something so dumb and irrelevant you know
1: yeah and i have a feeling that uh because ben sent that to me i have a feeling we might talk about that on a live stream by the time this comes out but we'll talk about it again here this is me basing it off of what you said i haven't seen the video but kind of based it on what his comments were too i think every cop on earth when they get pulled over by another cop they badge them every cop you're a fucking liar if you say otherwise now it's an issue if you badge them and then expect to get out of a ticket. Part of the rationale for badging it is so they fucking know you're armed, right? That's part of it. Or am I, I think it'd be ignorant to say, like, you know, we ideally cops shouldn't be writing cops tickets for chicken shit stuff, but we shouldn't be writing anyone shit for chicken shit stuff. I get there's a law and the law needs to be enforced, blah, blah, blah. But if you can rectify the situation by having a conversation with somebody, you don't need to write them a ticket. You know, like I, I don't advocate just fucking writing people tickets because they are breaking the law. If that's well, the- where, if that's how you want to live, and that's how you want to be a cop, I think you're fucking ridiculous and should turn in your badge. There's a time and a place to write somebody a ticket, definitely.
0: And a ticket but- should be seen as a something as as education, right? If yeah. it, it, I'll to see how they're going to respond to it. If you have a conversation with somebody and talk about their driving behavior and they seem like they're going to respond well to it and change, I mean, let's be honest, how many times have you been stopped for speeding? Do you still speed? I mean, do cops use their phone while they drive? Do, uh, I mean, we're just like everybody else, and if you think the badge makes you any different, it doesn't. So when you talk about badging somebody, I think every cop does it, right? And if you're expecting to get out of the the ticket or this. Yeah. Then you're a piece of shit. But uh, I, I guess it's just such a ridiculous issue. Right. And that's a whole nother debate about citations and their effectiveness.
1: It. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things too. Like I, if you speed, if you're a cop, even if you badge somebody, you have to realize you are speeding. If you get a ticket, you get a ticket. That's you're the one speeding, right? That's, You don't get special powers because you're a cop, okay? But if you're doing something ridiculous, like, I don't know, drag racing or driving drunk, and you badge somebody and you use it with the expectation to get out of a ticket, quit. Just quit. We don't need you. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to speak for the country in policing. We don't need you. That's we can't,
0: we can't have any more of these stains, you know, these people yeah. that it's, and it's hard, right? Cause hiring pools are getting lower and are getting smaller and smaller. So now we're accepting people that wouldn't have been a cop five years ago. Wouldn't have been a cop a year ago. I would even uh, dare to say, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Some of the people that we're hiring and then they don't make FTO and everybody acts surprised.
1: Yeah. It's, There's I'm kind of heated about that thing now. She badged him and she got fucking fired for it. That's crazy.
0: I guess I should say she resigned. She resigned That is
1: insane. I'll I'll have to watch the video. But if she's not like requesting anything, big fucking deal. You're supposed to I mean, I don't know, the way I was taught, you're supposed to fucking identify yourself to other cops. I don't think that's like a big deal at all. Again, if you're abusing it then fuck you. But if it's just like, Oh, Hey, I'm a a police chief or whatever. I don't see the big deal. I mean, do you not ask people when you write a ticket, their place of employment?
0: It's fair. I mean, that's, that's more than fair when you're talking with people and you're just having a conversation. Oh, what do you do for work? You know, and it comes up or if you're grabbing someone's ID and you see the, uh, you know, their ID card underneath their, their license, You know, we're not saying, I I think you and I are on the same page. We're not saying that there should be any special privileges, but it's ridiculous to see. uh, I think that law enforcement's held to such a high standard, which it it should be, right? But there becomes a point where it's like, is the standard so high that it's unattainable?
1: Yeah, I I think you put it better than I can most of the time. High standard? Yes, totally. Ridiculous standard? Because you remove the human factor from everything. Of course we're going to fuck up. Of course we are. There's mistakes of the mind and mistakes of the heart. If I came on this podcast and told you I would never fucked up as a cop or as a man or as a parent, I'd be completely full of shit. But that's we want cops to be human, but we also want them to be robotic in nature. Which I really fucked up saying robotic, but that's okay. I'm going to stop being angry. You're going to make me drink whiskey from a bottle soon. I'm getting angry about this. Let's talk about Minnesota, but not the crazy shit that happened. How is it to be a cop? I mean, I guess before and now I think is relevant.
0: though. You know, I guess I have such a limited place that I can speak from. about. I mean, I had about two years uh, where I can speak from where I was a cop before everything happened, right? Uh, I mean, I can speak from years of experience of being – in law enforcement as an explorer doing ride-alongs as a kid i mean i just remember and maybe it's that that was emerald glasses right seeing it or those road rose, rose shade glasses, it's like fucking
1: emerald glasses what the fuck are those
0: you know you know what i'm saying but uh the, leprechaun the, the, riding in his emerald glasses it would be pretty sweet though but anyway you know it's it's seeing Uh, as when you're a kid, you see things so differently, right? Like it's like when your dad came on and you've talked about your dad being a cop and doing ride alongs with him. uh, I I saw it so differently. And I guess maybe you don't, you're not part of the the drama of a police department, but you're seeing the action that the cops are out doing or the difference they're making or the people they're talking to. And it was so respectable and so cool. And then, you know, you get start to grow into your own career and you realize some of the choice, every choice that you make, gets you have hard decisions that you have to do and you know, you're taking people out of uh, you're helping people. Right. But you're also breaking families apart. Sometimes you're going to court uh, during the day when you worked an overnight and you're trying to stay, keep and manage everything. Right. But I mean, to talk about Minnesota law enforcement, I, I think that Minnesota is a good state to work in. Still. I think it's, I still think it is. I think that I hear some of the, I've heard California, <laughs> I heard some of the California cops talk and I've heard some of the uh you know, I hear what it's down hear what it's like in Florida right now and sure you have the support in Florida, but man, Florida's getting violent. And that shit's just crazy, some of the stuff that's happening. I mean, the officer assaults. Uh Minnesota's is really a unique community of cops. It's very family like. Uh most people know each other in this profession and uh You know, I I, I still believe there is that thin blue line of cops taking care of cops here. You see a lot of really cool things happening. Uh, I can speak to some of the the bigger influences here, right, that are doing the work, that are putting association uh, dinners together to make sure that a cop that uh, might be going through a hard time, like their family member having cancer or themselves suffering with illness, it's... Very family-like, and we take care of each other here. And I think that's an important culture to be around.
1: That was very wholesome. And I don't want to take away from the moment, but I have to, because that's what I do. Give your balls you a tug, you Ted fucker. Uh, it, you have to. You got you to do it when you got to do it. It's, that's where it is. That's true. I'm very impulsive with my noises. I wanted to ask. So, Avi, obvi- I guess where I was going with that, though, is. You're saying the job is not dead in Minnesota.
0: No, I, I think the job is still very much alive in Minnesota. And I think that there's a lot of things that are happening right now. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of laugh when I see your, uh, you had the shirt that says, uh, you know, if you don't like the crime in your city, change your vote. And you, you do see a lot of that coming around. You see a lot of uh, politicians that are supporting Minnesota law enforcement and They may not be publicly doing it, but even if they're doing it in secret, they're still supporting law enforcement. And you see uh, a lot of cops doing a lot of really great work. I mean, I can personally speak to it on the street. There's a lot of guns that are being taken off the street. The other night I was working, and there was a detail that took 18 guns off the street in six hours. Holy shit. I mean, there's cops out there that are willing to do the work, and as long as the people are out here doing it, I think that the job is very much alive.
1: Are the jails back open now?
0: Yeah. So the jails are open. I mean, the jails do have their days where they, they will be closed. Uh, but I I've seen warrants for where when during COVID, right, we'd have these things called sign and release warrants and you'd have someone for like fifth degree assault having or a fourth degree assault uh, that had a sign and release warrant. And it's like, what the hell that's an assault on an officer. Like, and that's a sign and release warrant. Uh you don't really see much uh, for sign and release warrants these days. Something I I used
1: to ask quite a bit, and I've kind of gotten out of the habit, but are people actually going to jail for the, for reasonable amounts of time or is it kind of, does it feel like everywhere else where you do all the work and people are just out within a couple (sighs) of minutes?
0: Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Absolutely not. Like people are out. I mean, I think that, it was said on this. I think it's been said on this podcast before, but you really can't. You do the job and you make the arrest at the time, but you can't watch what happened. You can't watch the process. I mean, it's it's really heart wrenching to watch when you put a bunch of work into something and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, they're found not guilty," or they're found uh, they were let go. And <laughs> even if you do all the put the work forward, right? I mean, that's just the county we're in, and it's going to get worse after January here. But
1: Oh, what's happening in January?
0: Uh, some elections happened, and uh, some new leaderships taking forward in, in the county that I'm in.
1: You just made it seem like things were getting good, and they were supporting cops.
0: It's 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 one of those hard things, right? Like, and maybe it's because the at the end of an election or the end of uh, some people's uh, uh, term, but it does seem like things are getting better around here. You know, it's it's hard to tell. I I'm not a. a I can't predict the future here. Okay. So you're not Dr. Strange. No, but if I was, it'd be pretty cool.
1: That's not really his song, but here we
0: are. Avengers assemble, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Before we get into some of the, the other stuff I have planned on this podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of your hobbies that we mentioned we kind of we hinted at earlier you are a patchner like myself but you blow me the fuck out of the water how do you i mean i got into it really this is gonna sound bad but kind of out of greed because i was like this fucking room is empty i should ask people for patches and i love you guys and you guys sent me a bunch of patches by the way send me a message if you want to send me a patch how does how did you get into it which what's how do i you know what i'm gonna even have you explain like the patch life like how do people get into it how do people trade patches because there's all kinds of crazy stuff right
0: so first before i get into it i got to give a shout out to the patch banditos of minnesota uh they told me i had to give them a shout out on this but it's uh it's a pretty cool group of people so i got into patch collecting when i was a uh, law enforcement explorer i got a couple patches in my hand and uh, from there it was like, oh, these are pretty cool. You know, I might make a, uh, put them up on a wall or something like that someday. And from there, it was just kind of like collecting patches. And, uh, my grandfather was a historian. And so learning about the history of things is something that's always really interested me and every patch carries a story to it. Right. And that's something that I've gotten into collecting. And, uh, there's actually a pretty big group of collectors around the United States and it's a great way to socialize and network with other cops, I've found. I know a lot of really good guys uh, from different agencies because of patch collecting. And uh, I, I've had a lot of fun with it. I've So now I, I collect mainly just Minnesota stuff because if you collect everything, that's just that's too much, man. Uh, as you said, your collection's already at 1,000. I mean, can you imagine what will be in a year from now if you keep collecting stuff? Like, what are you going to put it on? Nerds. <laughs>
1: Oh, not Cosby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: Fucking nerds.
1: It is really interesting. You were talking the way you have them set up is like alphabetical. and I've been meaning to sit down and actually do like a spreadsheet to see what I actually have in like the different states and stuff. Because I I was telling you, I think I probably have close to a thousand, maybe not quite a thousand yet. I don't even know if I have all the states. I bet ba- you that's- know. I get them in the mail and I fucking put them up. They're all really cool. Like I, it is interesting. Like the story of the patch and how they, you know, they came up with the designs and who wore it and stuff. I always like the ones I can tell were ripped off a of uniform and had a little love in them.
0: I mean, that's that's a fun part of it, right? So not only do I collect patches, I also have badges, right? And uh, the badges is, is such a unique story of an officer because you know we all like to think that what we do in this job matters and. Uh, that we leave some sort of impression when we leave. And so I think a badge, there's a lot of stake in it, a lot of uh, a lot of history to it, right? And I always kind of like pairing up a badge with a patch uh, from the agency or the time era that it was worn in just because it's a cool way to honor the agency and a cool way to honor that officer's service and time. Uh, you know, it's really cool here in Minnesota because there is so much unique history and there's so many great stories that were told. And I mean, that's one reason I've enjoyed this podcast is because it is cool to hear about officers from all around the United States and the great work that's being put in. And it's a little less depressing uh, than looking at the news and seeing all the the shit that's talked about us.
1: The badge thing's interesting to me because I, I, I guess everywhere is probably different, but I'm kind of surprised that you can get your hands on somebody else's badge. How does, how do you even get those?
0: So a lot of badges, uh, I, I mean, in the collecting game, right? Being a nerd that I, the nerd that I am, a lot of family members will give me their, uh, like their loved ones badge if they've passed, or there'll be cops that are upset with the, upset with uh, <laughs> the climate, right? And they've given up their badges, and I've said, all right, I'm gonna hang on to this for you. Uh, and then you'll be amazed too, just how many badges are out there just floating in the wild, because an department will just throw out their badge because they don't care about it anymore. Uh, I've I've had departments that have reached out to me because I have one of their badges. And they'll say, "Hey, can we get that back?" And I'm like, "Well, what did you guys do with it when you originally had it?" And they're like, "Well, we threw them all out because we didn't think we we needed it anymore." But now we're we suddenly care about our history, and it's like, "What do you do with that?" I'm not going to give it back to you if you threw it out. Like, I'll get I'll send you a picture of it, and you can post that.
1: I am uh, I'm unbelievably mad to this day, and I always will be that they didn't let me have my badge when I left, and they said, "Oh, we'll hang on to it in case you want to come back." That's bullshit. I know exactly what they're gonna do. They're gonna keep the badge and they're gonna replace the plate with a different badge number. And they that badge, somebody else has that fucking badge now.
0: That's my damn badge. I want it back. I think it's fucked up if you don't give. Uh, I I think if someone leaves with good intentions, right, and if they were a good officer and they leave on good terms, I think they should have their badge. I think that badge is, you know law enforcement doesn't define the person, right? Like you have to be out, you have to live outside of this job, but this job is a big part of who we are. And that badge, when you, if you wore it for a year to if you wore it for 30 years, it, you leave part of yourself with it. I mean, this job takes away so much shit from us and to at least have that badge to say, you know what? I was, I was there. I did that shit. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I, God damn it. You're going to make me drink whiskey out of a bottle now. I, you know, it just, they had a policy where you had to retire to get it, which I get to an extent, but like, you know, somebody does 10 years, not that I did a whole 10, but you know, you do 10, you want to lateral somewhere. Cause you know, you, you got to move States for whatever reason, you know, fucking not let the dude have his badge. How fucking cheap are you motherfuckers?
0: I mean, a badge I'm not bitter the- at all. No. And you know what? You have every right to be, I would be fucking better if I didn't get to keep my badges. I mean, I have every badge that I've worn since I started as an explorer. Right. And that's something that uh, I, I've had to fight for, to keep some of my badges that I have, but I, I've taken that fight because it, it, it's meaningful to me. And I talk about it Like, it's just like my medals, my uh, grandfather had in the Navy, you know, I mean, that's, that's part of his history. And someday I'd like to give that on to my kids.
1: At least, at least I got some patches, I suppose. But yeah, I'll, I know I'm pretty sure at some point I'll get my dad's, which is what'll be cool, but that's a story for another day. Um, so you, I remember you messaged me a couple months ago and you went to, I didn't even know this existed and I feel like I might have to go, but there's like a patch collector's convention
0: every year. So every in year, place or do they move it around? So it's moved around from state to state every year. Uh This year's, I think, is being held in California, but that's a little too nope, bougie for going. me. Not yeah, I'm not going to California for that shit. Uh, but you know, it's it's pretty. I think it is coming to Iowa in 2024, if I remember. Oh
1: right. fuck yeah!
0: So you got to go, man. It's it's. I like the uh sound of the cork, by the way, from the whiskey. I could hear it opening up. Was that wrong? Fucking... Or was it...
1: Oh, yeah, I'm drinking whiskey from the bottle. I'm pissed about my badge. Did I just call that shit out? I'll, I'll call it as it is. That's how
0: we deal with our problems, kid. Whiskey. Yep. Drinking is a solution, not a problem.
1: Speaking of drinking, I'm going to open up my second beer here. This is the this is the Amber, again, from Blacktooth in Wyoming. So again, no Velcro. It's called the Bomber Mountain, and it has a picture of a plane. So I hope it's not like commemorating a plane going into a mountain. That'd be kind of a bummer.
0: Yeah, we don't need any more bummers on this podcast. Just uh, uplifting stories. Oh,
1: that's pretty good too. Decent. That was. That was about as the best bubbles impression you're gonna get.
0: I was. I thought that was pretty damn good.
1: Are you humouring me? Like when Popo Medic told me to keep doing Cartman.
0: You know what? Uh, I just want to make sure that you uh, continue the great podcast, and I won't uh, discourage you or. Uh, say anything to make it otherwise. <laughs> Just fucking talk shit, buddy. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, did you did you see the art contest they did on Facebook? Oh, when was that? Oh, it wasn't an art contest, but I... Every year, not every year, but most years, uh, my wife goes to Michael's or Hobby Lobby, and we get some kind of art to do for Christmas. I clearly am not an artist. But this year, I thought... My art was so bad. I I put a picture on Facebook on poorly made on Facebook and whoever roasted me the best got a, uh, coin from ghost patch. So roast away, buddy. Free, free game here. I can take it. We're all friends here. Less you talk about my badge.
0: <laughs> I will say, uh, Ghost Patch is a pretty cool uh, pretty cool group. I'll give them a plug because I've liked a lot of the stuff that they have coming out. And uh, they've done a really good job with their coins, especially for poorly made. And if you don't have one, you should probably purchase one.
1: Yeah, and if you don't, go fuck yourself. Just kidding. <laughs> a little bit. All right. So I think we should do the officer of the podcast. And then maybe lighten things up a little bit. What do you say? I like that. Let's do it. Oh, my God. I had one picked out and I closed the damn email. (laughs) Fucking idiot. Oh, hey, I found the same one. All right. Sweet. So the officer of the podcast, we'll do that real quick. As you guys know, uh, as we just talked about, Ghost Patch, they donated a bunch of patches so we could give away to the officer of the podcast. If you want to nominate a buddy, email me, poorlymadepolicememes at gmail.com or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram good morning. It's not morning. It's night. That's okay. You send it in October. I would like to recognize a mentor and friend of mine, Sergeant Blankety. He's one of the supervisors at my agency in a time where there's so many toxic leaders, corporate yes, man, and poor examples of selfless service. He stands apart myself and several officers have been taken under his wing and shown what true servant leadership should look like and how to look after our people. Not only does he care deeply for his people, but he actively looks for ways to promote them and their careers. He's also one of the most tactically and sound officers in a region of the country. Sergeant Blankety has served as a DT and firearms instructor for many years, and is one of the leaders in tactics and best practices in policing. There have been numerous times over the last years where he has brought myself and other officers through extremely dangerous and life-threatening circumstances. He's always managed to do so by leading from the front, making sure he's one of the first people through the doorway, involved in calls, and always accountable for his subordinates' welfare. Sergeant Blankety has been serving law enforcement for 33 years. He has held himself to the highest level of fitness, still being able to beat most of the young officers in our department for the PT test, easily outperforming everyone else in his peer group. He's truly one of the rarities in law enforcement and the model for what every leader in our profession should be. So... Our winner is Sergeant Blankety Blank, and I will email them back and let them know they won. Does he deserve a T-Rex, air horn, or clap?
0: Got to go with the air horns.
1: All right. So now, good patches of hula We're going to go to the D-Gens on Instagram. Are you ready?
0: I'm ready. Let's go.
1: Hopefully they do not disappoint us. I'm used to being disappointed. Oh, no, wait, that's, that's my wife. That's my wife. Never mind. Okay, so it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned the dad being disappointed. I, I might have a picture in my phone of call notes from a snowstorm when I was trying to get somebody's car out of the snow, and I couldn't do it. And I wrote the notes that said, I was disappointed in my, I don't remember what I said. I think I said something along the lines of I couldn't get their car out of the road and they were disappointed. Like my father's disappointed in me or something like that. (laughs) Official police record people. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite tater tot hot dish recipe?
0: I mean, I can't share family secrets on here, but tater tot hot dishes, uh, that's a vibe right there good for every dinner good for uh potlucks i mean it's 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 great you can't beat it all
1: right what the fuck is a tater tosh tater tot hot dish recipe that is the most midwest thing i've ever heard by the way
0: i mean you got to have your tater tots you gotta have a lot of cheese you gotta have your secret ingredients i mean like it's uh it's a casserole. I mean like I guess what's the what's outside the Midwest? Do they say hot dish or casserole? I think it's casserole is what it's casserole. People call it. Yeah. But I I mean we call it hot dish here in the Midwest. It's it's appreciated. Do we, do we, we do. though?
1: I've never heard that term.
0: Uh, I guess uh, you haven't been around the Midwest long enough then.
1: Oh. All right. So for the person writing this in, we had to change a name just to you know, for the kids. Was Kim Potter offered a chance to pee wee a hockey team for redemption, like Gordon Bombay was.
0: I think I heard that that's happening here pretty soon. I think uh, you can look forward to that coming up and uh, at your next wild game. It'll be uh, the midtime sh- or uh, the uh, mid show.
1: Uh, the next Mighty Ducks movie is going to be lit. Watch, she like grabs her taser. Never mind,
0: um, <laughs> that's not her
1: hockey stick. Too soon, too soon. All right, I don't – it was a little while ago now, but let's talk about this a little bit. Oh, I had somebody on from Texas, and they were talking and they don't know much about hockey, and I was – I said that Dallas stole the North Stars. I know you're a little younger, but do you remember when Texas stole your hockey team from you?
0: I mean, we're not salty at all. It's not like we really liked that team or anything, but, no, it's cool. It's fine. That just a little – Minnesota, uh, Minnesota passive aggressiveness there.
1: That's as hard as you guys get. I mean, except when it comes to burning down police police stations.
0: Yeah, I mean that. I think that was a little out of uh, out of hand, and I think that uh, may not have been led by Minnesotans.
1: Yeah, I was. I was going to say that. You know, if only you guys had had such anger in your hearts, you guys would have kept the North Stars.
0: Very true. Uh, just a note on that to be our note on the, uh, protesters. I was surprised to see so many rental cars in Minnesota during the, uh, during the civil unrest as we called it. But there were so many people that came from out of state to come do that stuff. It was what? crazy. I know. I, I, hard to believe.
1: Huh?
0: You tell everybody there's a party going on in Minnesota and all of a sudden people are showing up
1: weird. I hope that's not funded by some guy in the shadows
0: no shadow funding uh at all
1: why is minnesota canada junior
0: i would say that we're better than canada i mean like there's a lot uh i mean canada it's just the great white north right like there's a wall between us and uh i think in minnesota we uh we have better hockey we have better uh lakes and we got the great uh great north that uh canada could only wish they had
1: by the way, kids, remember your Stanley Cup champions are the Colorado Avalanche.
0: We're not going to talk about that.
1: I mean, I moved. I I don't think I can say anything. It's not like Iowa has a hockey team.
0: I mean, it's not like the Blackhawks are any good or anything or are constantly beating the wild.
1: So you guys do have guns, though. That's something that Canadians do not have.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen to that uh, Canadian uh, officer speak, I mean it's pretty nice to have guns and that's something they don't got
1: because they got Trudeau.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, but do they got freedom? I don't think they have that. No, if you had an American Eagle cry, that's what I would have played after that.
1: Let's see if I can do that. Hold on. Well, you're making me, do- I'm, I'm the soundboard nerd and I'm falling apart here.
0: I'm just trying to help any way I can.
1: I appreciate that,
0: and I appreciate you.
1: Is that what you appreciate about me? All right, so I just <laughs> googled uh, America. Let's see what we get here. America, <laughs> America,
0: America will be the world's policeman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: America The birthplace of AIDS (laughs) Oh here we go This is what I'm talking about
0: America America
1: Fuck you, Canada.
0: That's glorious right there. I couldn't have said it better myself. That might have to be added
1: to the list. Are there mini sodas in Minnesota? Oh, they got me. Are are there mini sodas in Minnesota?
0: We do have some craft soda places, if that counts. Do you miss the joke? I I, I got the joke, but I just decided I'd uh, make it awkward for them.
1: Do you guys – I probably this is an unfair question, but you probably would know because we never hear about this. Do you guys deal with any border issues like they deal with on the southern border?
0: Where I work, we honestly don't deal with it because that's pretty uh, taboo. But I'm sure up in northern Minnesota they do have some issues with that.
1: Who's – I mean, I I feel like we talked about this with the Border Patrol guy, but, I mean, who's coming in from Canada?
0: I mean, people that can't get in through uh, the southern border.
1: I would just think the northern border would be so much easier.
0: I mean, a lot of people are trying to come over on boats across the lakes. I mean, I, I don't think I'd want to do that. It's way too cold up here for that shit.
1: That's nice in the summer, though.
0: That's I mean, that is the I mean, so the true Minnesotan experience is being pissed that you're here through the winter but enjoying the summer and then being pissed again when the winter comes back around. That
1: makes sense. We kind of touched on this, but we didn't really touch on this directly. The question is, why are you still a cop in Minnesota? So let me rephrase the question rather than why are you still a cop in Minnesota? Why didn't you leave? Or did you have any thoughts of leaving during all the the wackiness?
0: I I would be unfair to or not unfair i guess it would be wrong of me to say that i didn't have any thoughts and there wasn't times where i thought that it would be easier to go somewhere else but i mean minnesota is my home i've grown up in the state my whole life i've yeah i've traveled outside of it but there's something about uh the lights of minneapolis and the lights of st paul and just being in the cities right like i grew up in a small town in minnesota I stayed in the cities, and I see my career being in the cities. Uh, You got to kind of defend the homestead, right? I mean, I'm going to be here through the end of it, and I wasn't going to leave just because things got rough because the people that left when things got rough, I know regret it. I know there's a lot of people that regret it now.
1: Fair enough. That's not personal or anything. No, not at all. Not at all.
0: I was kind of waiting for you to play uh, some sound clip there, but –
1: No, it's just, hold on. Here's the sound clip for you, asshole. The question is, is did you hear it this time?
0: Oh, I sure did. I, I thought about cracking a beer, but I was like, I'm still working on what I have right now. And I just, I've almost finished a bottle of barley wine. So we're doing pretty good.
1: So this is an interesting question. How does it feel policing in a state that's extremely Republican and extremely liberal?
0: I mean, it's kind of like being on the, uh, it's interesting, right? Because it's, it's like a lot of the, even the people that are very liberal support the police in silence, right? Uh, I've found within the last year of things, not, with, not during 2020, right? But like within 2022, I'm getting more thank yous, people coming up, offering to pay for meals, uh, people that just want to say their support. And a lot of people will say that's not the case. But I mean, I work. In a pretty, I mean, working in the metro, right, which is the Twin Cities, I, it's it's amazing the amount of people that come up and say thank you or, or that I'm glad that you're here doing the job because people are the general population sick of this shit, they're sick of uh, not feeling safe or they're sick of being worried in their home, and it's people of all walks of life, and I think that's what makes this job worth it, right? That's what makes things, uh, it makes it worth it being a cop here in Minnesota. Uh, we got to start from somewhere. And if it, we're at the end of the pendulum, right, where things are bad, hopefully things will swing back to being good.
1: But so we talked a little bit about your experience during the riots. Do you have like one story in particular that stands out to you? Uh, <laughs> that you can safely say.
0: Uh, man, I would love to share some stories, uh, but there's the one, I guess, like I, I just don't want to be a mood killer here, but I'm going to kind of be a mood killer. But there was one night that I was working and I was sitting on the top of a ramp and I was watching Minneapolis burn. And one of my partners came over to me and he's like, Hey patches, uh, you should get your reports done because shit's really popping off in Minneapolis. And I was like, I'll get to it. And so, you know how it is. Like it's two or three in the morning. I'm driving around. I just kind of holding my reports. I had to get them done before the end of shift. It was my Friday, but I was like, fuck it. I'll get them done. And as I'm sitting there, Uh, or as I was driving around, we get a call to one of the gun stores in our our city and that it's being robbed. And I, we start all heading there and I arrive, and there's 30 plus people running out of the store with gun cases and people that are running into cars. And there's a very limited amount of cops that were there. I mean, everybody from everywhere was coming, but I mean, everywhere was just getting looted. Right. And I saw one of my partners fighting on the ground with somebody. And I looked up and I saw a guy that I was reaching into a gun case and looking at my partner that was on the ground. So I pulled my gun and I had the trigger all the way pulled back. And it was like that last moment before, uh, I mean, before basically breaking the the trigger safety, right? And I felt I was about to pull the trigger. And as that last second, the gun case fell open and the guy had nothing in the gun case. And I ended up tackling him at that point. I mean, I put my gun away, tackled him at that point. And I just remember thinking afterwards, I had him in cuffs and I put him in the back of my car. There's people fleeing the scene all over. I mean, it was such a shit show, but I was like, holy shit. I just, I mean, I was like, I could have been on the fucking news and. Unarmed looter shot by the cops. That's exactly what I was thinking. But I mean, you don't fucking know what he had in the case. And I mean, it ended up uh, coming out that they had broken into a part of the store where there was only gun cases. So there was no actual guns in the cases, but they were all empty gun cases. Idiots. And then none of them were charged. What? So... <laughs> That's just how it works here. What? <laughs> yep. God.
1: See, like, I, more power to you guys, because I just, I can't wrap my head around that shit. Like, people, to me, and I'm not shitting on you, but it just, it makes the job not worth it. Because you do what you do to get these fucking assholes off the street. You catch them doing it. The intent's there all day long and you're not going to fucking charge them. That's pathetic.
0: I guess that's that's kind of why I like to focus on DWI work, right? Because I feel like even even if it's the day that they're in jail for that DWI, I feel like that's the most change that you can make in somebody. And I've seen throughout my career when I've arrested someone for a DWI, it's not your usual uh, stereotype of a criminal, right? I mean, you're arresting people from all walks of life. But I've seen, I've had people that have written me letters or I've actually seen people that have changed their life because they were arrested for a DWI.
1: I, not to take away from your moment, but it just reminded me of something. I saw something in the news. I haven't read it yet. But in uh, Colorado somewhere, I think maybe Fort Collins, there was a DUI cop. That I think just resigned, but he had an IA going because he had arrested eight people, took them to the fucking machine, and they all blew zeros. Oof. Eight. I could see that happening like every once in a while. Eight in a year? Holy fuck.
0: You got to ask, you got to wonder what he was doing or like what what his experience was, right? Yeah,
1: that's pretty rough.
0: I feel like DWI enforcement is such a, it's a niche in law enforcement and a lot of cops don't want to do it because it's a pain in the ass. It's a lot of paperwork and it takes up a good portion of your night doing it. But I think it's some of the most important work we do, especially with, I mean, I've done a lot of research on Colorado and uh, the legalization and how it saved the the state, but not, they don't ever talk about the, uh, how insurance rates were tripled because of legalization. And all the accidents and people that are dying on the roads because everybody's fucking high and driving.
1: No one ever, ever, ever thinks of the repercussions.
0: No, but it's all good because, no. you know, you're making so much money in taxes, right?
1: Yeah. You heard me cry about that. And you're just, you're trying to get me to drink whiskey from the bottle again.
0: I'm not, I'm not trying to bring it up a sore subject, but I mean, that's, I mean, every state's heading that way right now, right? I mean, it's it's inevitable at this point.
1: Hold on a second. Anyway, you were saying?
0: So take that swig. But no, I mean, it's just, it's a reality at this point. And it's at what point does it, I mean, legalization is coming to a state near you. And I get it to a point. I'm not anti-legalization. I just, it's DWI is back uh, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, DWIs became taboo, right? And now we got everybody that's getting high and they don't realize they're high and they're getting behind the wheel and they then they kill somebody. It's just like, how is this something that's not being recognized as a place where education is needed? It's like you said, it's not like we have a, a PBT that people can take so that they know not to drive.
1: Can I go on a rant about stoners really quick? Do it. I honestly, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I really, for the most part, you know, even though I cracked the joke about you know legalization, I really don't mind because I I think there's a lot worse things people could be doing. If you want to fucking sit in your house and get stoned and you're not hurting anybody, I do not give a fuck. It's you know when you get on the roads and all that stuff. But I feel like like anything to do with weed is like kind of become taboo to speak against. Because the stoners have made themselves into, like, basically a protected class of people. Yeah, and, and the hilarious. way they talk about themselves and, like, how they've been persecuted and stuff, it's kind of insane. Like, I get it. You're, you know, you're, a you know, quote-unquote smoking something natural and whatever, fine. I, I don't really care, but calm down. Give your balls a tug, you tit fuckers. That's my my rant on stoners.
0: <laughs> you know, and I've I've had some interesting interactions on in the road. Uh, one notable occasion where I stopped a car that was I was going uh, twenty and a thirty. Oh, it's such a crime, right? But they were weaving pretty bad, and so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna stop this car. And they get on the highway. They're still going twenty miles an hour in a fifty five at this point. Uh, I pull them over, and I go up to the car, and I see a duty belt in the back seat. So I asked the guy, I go, and I see there's a, uh, he has a gun on, the, or, you know, a, uh, a holster on his belt. And so I asked him, like, "Oh, do you have your gun on you right now? And he goes, oh, no, he goes, I don't have a gun, and I can just tell he's high as shit. The bong still, I mean, he honestly had a bong in the center council that he was taking hits off of. I'm like, who the fuck does that shit? But, so I asked him to step out of the car, and I'm going to do some tests just to make sure he's safe to drive. And as he gets out of the car, he starts to reach for his fucking pockets, and I'm like, get your hands out of your pockets. And I see the fucking gun uh, in his fucking pocket. And he's reaching for the fucking gun. And at that point, the fight's on, right? And I end up uh, going to the ground with him, and he's like, oh man, I wasn't trying to reach for my gun. I said, I'm like, did you ha- I asked you, did you have any weapons on you? He's like, I'm just too high to realize I fucking was reaching for my gun. I forgot I had it on me.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: I was like, Jesus, that could have been a fucking bad situation. But it's like, you know, I mean, being stoned's not a crime until you're fucking behind the wheel and you don't even know where the fuck you are.
1: Yeah, like, everybody knows I like to have a couple drinks. I don't fucking go drive. Stop. Just stop. Let's stop. Let's stop persecuting the stoners, man. Okay, I'm cool with that. Stop driving stoned, you dumb fucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what can you fucking do?
1: Um, Here's a good question. Have you ever pulled somebody over who is driving a snowmobile or a dog sled?
0: I personally haven't done that, but I've heard stories of it. And uh, <laughs> if there's anything about Minnesotans, we like to drink and we like to get on snowmobiles.
1: Now, is that technically, could you get a DUI for driving a snowmobile drunk?
0: You can. I uh, know many people that, are I guess many, but I uh, know a good amount of people that have uh, had that happen to them where they've gotten a DWI on a boat or on a snowmobile. Impressive. It's more common than you would think.
1: I always wonder if you can get that on a lawnmower a riding lawnmower. I would almost say yes.
0: It depends how big the motor is.
1: We'll, we'll talk after I'm done recording. I got um. Well, who knows what Iowa law is? I would just, I mean, it's, it's a vehicle in motion.
0: It depends, I guess, if you're on the streets, right? Like, if you're driving like an asshole on the streets, then yeah, you're probably going to get a D-dub. But if you're on your own lawn, I mean, there's not a crime to cut your lawn like shit.
1: That's true. But I don't know how it is in other states, but there was, I'm going to fuck it up, but there was six charges you could catch driving while on private property, and DUI was one of them.
0: I mean, it's true for Minnesota, too, but I mean, as a, Cop really going to bat their eyes at the guy that's enjoying a beer on his lawnmower, unless they're a dick cop. I mean, I don't know.
1: It depends on how many beers, I suppose. That's very that's true true. A Story for another day. Um, is the Mighty Ducks an accurate depiction of Minnesota life as a kid?
0: Uh you know, I, I it's it, it's pretty close.
1: Do you know Gordon Bombay?
0: are you gonna hate me if i say no
1: oh man disappointing i gotta say i i kind of wish i grew up in minnesota with my love of hockey those movies really were fun i never saw the disney plus show though
0: see now i feel like i guess you know we, we talk about like hockey in minnesota growing up my mom wouldn't let me play hockey growing up because it was too expensive for us we didn't have the money as kids We'd go on the ice, right? And like enjoy our backyard little pond that we had, but we didn't have the money to play hockey.
1: Does everyone in Minnesota have a backyard pond?
0: I don't think so. I mean like it's just there's a lot of lot of bodies of water, so you can always find one if you're looking for one.
1: The land of lakes. A whale's vagina. (laughs) What's what's the most popular fish in in Minnesota?
0: I mean, everybody's looking for walleyes. That's the we're all looking for.
1: So the walleye, I think the name of the state is a walleye's vagina is what it stands for. Anyway, let's see. We talked about Canadians. Somebody said troopers suck. Oof. What is the drug of choice in the Great White North?
0: (laughs) Uh, Right now it's fentanyl. You see a lot of, I mean, that's (laughs) everywhere. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, it's the the inbox 30s have hit Minneapolis really bad. And uh, it's kind of funny when you'll see like uh, pages that will be like, don't uh, take the fentanyl this week. It's has a lot more fentanyl than usual. And then you'll see like eight or nine deaths all within a couple hours. And it's like, "Ooh, I guess that was a bad batch.
1: If only we would do something about that.
0: That's not a crime.
1: (sighs) Addiction's not a crime.
0: So I always I found it interesting, right? Uh, when you've talked about addiction in the past, because part of my uh, degree is in addiction studies, and uh, Minnesota is known as one of the biggest states for talking about the Minnesota uh, disease model, right? So that seeing addiction, uh, addiction, as I'm fucking slurring my words, as a disease, <laughs> uh, and it's it's super interesting to me because I've I've done a lot of research into it and looked into it a lot, and you know, I, I, when you really look at it, at a bird's eye, view, bird's eye view, you have a kid that, some kid that's just trying out M-Box 30s, or you look back to the 1990s, right, and you have the, the house mom situation where moms were pocket uh, popping oxys uh, because they were bored, and then the oxy prescriptions run out, and all of a sudden they're moving on to the harder drugs, you know, and addiction is just, it's a weird fucking thing, man. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, you can't I really
1: mean like. I I don't think that you should. I'd be curious for your take on all this because I think it's good to have different opinions. My, I I don't like think we should be shitting on people that are, have a drug issue because God knows we've all have our own issues, but I think, you know, we don't ever put accountability on things. And so when I think a personal choice is set as an addiction, I think we take accountability away from it. Now, I think you get to a point where it's not a personal choice anymore, but it started out as a personal choice. Whatever it was, it started out as a personal choice.
0: I think it's interesting in the fact that our brain forms neural pathways uh, with, I mean, drugs can form those neural pathways, right, with addiction and associate different feelings with taking that drug. And then if you don't take that drug, your body can react in different ways to not having it anymore. Uh, And losing those kind of feelings, like feelings of dopamine and feeling happy. And uh, I think, I think you're totally correct when you say that, like you have a choice at some points, right? You have to make the decision that you want to get better. And if you don't make the decision to get better, you're going to continually have these problems. And that comes to anything in life, right? But I think you see it a lot with addiction and you can't say, I mean, the thing is, is that we want to save everybody. We want everybody to go to rehab, but rehab doesn't work for everybody. And some people, unfortunately, you just can't save. Unfortunately or fortunately, right? I mean, people make their own decisions with that. Uh, drugs are a fucking weird ass thing, and it's it destroys communities. I've seen it happen. I've uh, seen people lose their life because they can't beat their addictions, and or continuously make the same bad choice.
1: You know, and it's it's. I feel like sometimes people comically look down on like the just son- Say no campaign, but if you do just say no, you're not going to do drugs and you're not going to become addicted. You know, I, I think there's, you know, there's other things like people can get quote unquote addicted to. Like, you know, I'm a fat person. I like food. I'm a, I would, I would say I'm addicted to food. I keep eating poorly, even though there's negative consequences to that, but I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to blame McDonald's. No, I fucking... McDonald's didn't give me the goddamn spoon. I did.
0: Well, and so, I think it, It's interesting that you say that, too, because if you think about it with addiction, right, people continuously make that same bad choice. They say, all right, well, I'm just going to do it one more time or I'm going to do it this time. And like, that's it. It's just like, I, I mean, I'm a big guy, too. Uh, and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to eat this uh, cheeseburger where I can make the choice to eat a salad. Right. We all do things to feed our, our ego or to feed our, you know, what makes us happy. And some of those choices just aren't healthy for us. This is going to make us fat. <laughs> Thanks, Arnold. I just blame spoons, usually. Spoons was, spoons made me fat. That's it. Personally, I think we should ban spoons, then.
1: Ban spoons, ban needles, ban cans, and we'll be fine. Are you ready for Urban Dictionary Man? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, Urban Dictionary Man has hit us with Have you ever done the Minnesota sneak?
0: I'm very interested to hear what this is.
1: Well, have you done it? I haven't. Are you sure?
0: I guess I, I, you know, not knowing I could possibly have done it, but I'm not that cool.
1: What are the chances that you did it?
0: Let's put it one in a hundred.
1: Okay. What do you think it is?
0: Sounds kind of sneaky. Uh I don't know. I mean, it's there's some weird vibes that kind of come from that. I, I got to hear what it is.
1: A sexual act in which a man wants to break up with a woman, has sex with her one last time, takes a shit in her shoe while she's sleeping, and then leaves out the bathroom window.
0: That sounds like a respectable Minnesotan.
1: Yeah, so the Minnesota sneak. Now, have you done it?
0: I have not. Too pass aggressive for me. Oh, you betcha.
1: Oof, I pooped in your shoe. (laughs) All right. We got a few more Instagram questions and then we'll get into my dumb shit. Do you think that you are? Do you think you're holding up your end of the deal, making this not a, a bad last podcast of the year? Last real podcast? Actually. No, it's technically the last podcast of the year because. Doing something special for New Year's, but it'll come out on New Year's Eve. But it's a New Year's podcast. I don't know how that works, but technically the last podcast of the year.
0: The last normal one. I, I, I hope it's decent. I hope, hope that people enjoy what I have to say. But you know what? Uh, keep your expectations low and you'll never be disappointed.
1: Decent. How do you drive code in the winter?
0: Don't crash. That, Makes that's sense. that's that you just. I will tell you what there's never been more fun that I've had than driving a Crown Vic in Minnesota winter.
1: What was that? Can you say that one more time?
0: I said there's never been more fun that I've had than driving a Crown Vic in a Minnesota winter.
1: All right. We're we're going to talk cars in a little bit. You know what? No, we're here. Let's talk cars because Somebody had a bunch of questions about cars, and the question was, "What is the best vehicle, patrol vehicle for snow?"
0: So, I—I I mean, I, I hate to say it, it's the best car in general. But the Kronvik is not good in snow, and the amount <sighs> of times you <it> get—
1: <laughs> learn how to fucking drive.
0: Uh, it's not—it's not good when you're uh, in a blizzard and you're stuck in the snow trying to get out in it. I mean, Give your balls a
1: tug, you Ted fucker
0: Hey, don't hate. Don't hate, but... I'll uh, let I you will say, I mean, I'll you can you say finish. that the best vehicle probably would be an Explorer or a Durango for <laughs> Minnesota. <hunters. Oof>. But <laughs> I wouldn't say in general they're the best <laughs> vehicles for Patrol because you know what vehicle you're going to lose in a uh, pursuit in every time is going to be an Explorer. The amount of times someone's outpaced me or outran me in my Explorer is regrettable and embarrassing.
1: Did you say embarrassing?
0: That's embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing.
1: So, since we're here, what is the best patrol car of all time?
0: Oh, the Chrome Vic, obviously. All right. I would tell you what, there's nothing like when that engine roars when you're going after somebody. It's amazing.
1: sorry i can't help myself you got to do it you betcha they like to to ice fish and drink bush lattes is that true
0: i would say it's hams up here hams is where it's at okay damn right
1: so hams is that specific to minnesota
0: hams is uh was originally made in minnesota and now it's out through some uh i think it's out in colorado is where they uh, make it now but it was originally from minnesota and like all true Minnesotans drink hams.
1: I've never heard of it.
0: If you have, you had Grain Belt before. Who? Grain Belt. No. All right, man. You got to come up to Minnesota. I'll show you some great beers. Hams and oh, Green Belt no. are staples. Oh, okay, I'll come to Minnesota.
1: I'll hit you up when I go to the Mall America someday.
0: <laughs> Don't get shot.
1: Should isn't worth the trip.
0: I'm not a big mall person. I know. I love malls.
1: We know we lo- I love malls. I know malls. I'm the best at malls. I've been to lots of malls. I've worked at malls. I know the most about malls.
0: Now, are you going to be that guy that asks security to get a picture with them?
1: No, I'm not gay.
0: <laughs> Did you ever watch that old show, the uh, Mall of America uh, security?
1: No, I have a good friend of the page that's always sending me shit from that. Um, he's like, Ah, dude, you got to go check it out. I, I've watched a few clips, but I never watched the show.
0: It's worth watching. I mean, it's not cringeworthy at all, but it's pretty worth watching.
1: Wait, it is cringeworthy?
0: Is oh, it's amazing. It, it's really cringeworthy, but it's hilarious. Uh,
1: you know, I it sucks. like everybody copies that same formula on TV anymore where it's like, you know, they pause where it doesn't need a pause to build suspense for absolutely nothing. And it just like I can't almost TV anymore is just unbearable to watch. And that I was still of, like ten years ago, but every show on A and E and history is like that. Every single one.
0: Where they pause and they're like, "We got a a litterer here in the food court," We're and they pan
1: around stuff. and like everybody's looking real serious and stuff. You know, because
0: you know that's how they all take that call super seriously. It's serious.
1: It is super serious, man. Or it's like, serious. what if somebody it's has serious. their feet up on a table? What about that?
0: Fuck! Get security started. I want a fucking SWAT Holy team fuck. in Raleigh.
1: Did do you have your feet on the table, sir? Sir, put those feet down. Put the fuck down. Just fire it at the mall. Okay. That got a little intense.
0: That was pretty good. I, I I agree with it and I think that's the right punishment for those people.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the next that was a question on here. Was Mall of America Security like the TV show?
0: Yes, yes, they are.
1: By the way, I have to give a big shout out. Uh I have a, a friend of the podcast that is a now a cop in Minnesota and they just got through the academy and are starting, and I'm very proud of them. So let's have a little toast for our good friend here. Cheers. Cheers and T-Rexes. Hello. Oh, there's that question. Can you guys stop fucking up? The last question before we get into my dumb stuff. Is Minneapolis the Seattle of the Midwest at this point?
0: I guess. I mean, it's not as bad as Seattle or Portland. Are you sure I mean, about that? I'm sure about that because Portland is still. I think Portland's still on fire.
1: Yeah, they haven't even put the like called the fire trucks in the take the flames out yet.
0: I mean, the, I hear that the uh, the waves of the ocean uh, calm the fires if you listen to them really, uh as they softly hit the shore. That <laughs> was fucked up.
1: You know. I feel like the Pacific Northwest would be a nice place to visit, but I'm just not going to go now.
0: I mean, Portland 2018, let me tell you, it was a good spot to be, but I don't think I'd ever go out there, especially after how things are these days.
1: My wife went for a work conference, I think, in 2019. Holy shit, she left me with the kids for like three days. That was terrible. Um. And she said it was fine, but she said it was I mean, even then it was homeless camps everywhere.
0: I mean that's starting to happen in Minneapolis. You're starting to see a lot more homeless camps, but honestly, the cold uh the cold does not do well for the homeless.
1: You know, if you're a bum and you live in one of these places like year round, you're a fucking idiot. You can well, you know- go anywhere. Get on a fucking train car like you guys know how to do. Go somewhere warm. I I do wonder if bums migrate.
0: They do, actually. I had one in the city I worked for that would go to Florida during the winter and come back to Minnesota for the summer and sit on the same park bench and harass the same people. He was pretty <laughs> hilarious.
1: I mean, did he take the trains? Like, how did he go?
0: So I I'll tell a little story about him because it's pretty funny. So... I know you always ask that. What was your biggest mistake as a rookie? Uh, As a rookie, I thought I had to arrest this guy for his misdemeanor warrant. And this dude smelled, and I'm talking like you got in the car and I mean, he reeked. I had to have my back windows down because he smelled so bad. And I arrested him on a very stupid trespassing warrant because I thought that that's what like, I thought that my Sergeant would be like, you should arrest him for this. Like, my sergeant would be like, if I was to not arrest him on his warrant, I bet the sergeant would be mad. But so I ended up bringing him down to jail and he was smelled so bad that the uh, jailer threw up while he was searching him. <laughs>
1: that's awesome. And, like,
0: it was hilarious. It's hilarious now. Cause I got back to the <sighs> station and everybody knew that homeless guy. And they're like, why did you arrest him patches? And I'm like, cause I thought that's what we're supposed to do. And they're like, fucking rookie
1: okay here's the thing can i go on my rant about warrants yes they don't have a warrant if you do not run them
0: <laughs> i learned that lesson that day
1: if you run them it is signed by a judge and you should take them because they need to go to jail right there's a reason they have a warrant and that is our job however maybe consider not running them. Although, I
0: will, I will say although, this. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. He told me that day that I was no longer blessed by God. But I ran into him a year later, and he had forgotten that I had arrested him because he was so high. And I was blessed again by God. So, if well, you were mm-hmm. all were worried, it was very nice that he told me that God still loves me.
1: Now, I do have a, a moment to share about the warrants, so.
0: though. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair.
1: If no one arrested people for warrants, they'd always have warrants. So I think really it should just be for the rookies to do. It's a learning experience. They got a warrant. They got to go. Judge signed it. Now, that is before the the dark ages where they just sign and release. Release on, you know, whatever. No need anymore no need to fight somebody into handcuffs so you can issue them a court date later that's how fucked up this all is you know people think that like they're doing this great service to the nation by letting criminals just to have a pass on everything look man i'm pretty laid back i think you could solve most issues with just talking to folks but if somebody like broke the law and got charged with it there should be some form of punishment. And if we're not going to charge people for breaking the law, and I say real laws, I'm not talking about your run of the mill. You know, I guess the way I look at like, let's say trespass, right? I think most people will like try and solve the problem before writing them a ticket or taking them to jail for a trespass, right? Generally, you know, yeah. say, Hey, why don't you leave? And we'll be done with this. They leave. All right. Problem solved. You know, maybe trespass them off the property if your city does that. Probably not going to write them a ticket. We got to stop fucking letting people get away with shit. That's not on the cops. I think that's on the system. But, you know, everybody's like, oh, there's so many people in jail in the US. Yeah, because apparently there's a bunch of fucking people here that don't know how to act. Because we all complain about how overrun the criminal justice system is and how many people are in jail. Look at all the people in jail and we still have a, a ton of crime. Maybe somebody could argue and say, well, maybe that doesn't work. I don't know. I think we should put more people in jail. Stop being assholes. How about that?
0: Even with this day and age, right? A lot of people don't want to take accountability for their actions. A lot of people are upset when they're held accountable. And I think that's a lot of the hate towards law enforcement is because we are one of the last checks and balances that holds people accountable. When everybody gets a participation trophy for uh, everything that they do. People forget that you have to earn and work hard for what you have.
1: No, you don't. The government should hand it to you. The 1%, man. The 1% should pay for my existence. Go fuck yourself. Get a fucking job, you dirty hippie. I swear to God, if anybody says anything about the 1%, I automatically don't listen to anything they say. (laughs) Because I just assume that they're lazy. Yeah, man, the rich... The rich probably do some shit I don't like. Totally. I get that. But have you considered getting off your ass?
0: Especially on a day when there's jobs galore.
1: I say that from my podcast dungeon. But anyway, <laughs> are you ready to do some fun stuff? Let's do it. All right. So we obviously we talked about um, the stupidest thing you did as a rookie. What is something as a young man, I guess you're still a young man. As a younger man, you wish of, you would have known but you know now
0: you know i think when i look back at at some choices right i think it's uh realizing how much you can just you don't have to to rush to do everything right and there's a lot 30 years is a long career it sure does go fast though and when you look at it the first five years i mean i'm coming up to a five-year point and it's gone by really fast but I wish I would have slowed down and not taken on so much so I could just enjoy and get better at what I had. And that's kind of what I'm doing now with the new department.
1: I like that. That's wise. I'm a big fan of that. What is the proudest moment of your career?
0: There's a couple different moments I think that I could really that I've been really proud of. Uh, I think one of the proudest moments that i have is it's over something really small but it was it made such an impact is i stopped a car and it was a gal uh who normally she i guess she wasn't a big fan of the police and i stopped her because her license was suspended and i could see that she had a bunch of school books in the car and she was very young and it was kind of one of those moments where she was super embarrassed to find out that her license was suspended And her mom was in the car with her and I went back and I was talking to her about her license being suspended. And instead of citing her, I talked to her about it because I could tell that she'd obviously missed paying a late fee for her license. And I decided to give her a chance that night and her mom got in and drove the car and I could just tell how embarrassed she was. But a couple months later, I got a letter from her and she just thanked me. And she said that she'd always seen such a negative view of the police, but that night really changed her perspective. And just how my kindness and being able to talk her through, which is a regular situation that we deal with, but a small interaction made a big difference in her life and how she viewed the police. And I I think that's a moment that I'm really proud of in my career.
1: That's really cool, man. And if I could give a word to the wise, I mean, most people that listen to this probably know, but, and I don't know how it is in other States. I know in Colorado, Fuck, man, you were like a second late paying a ticket. They'd fucking yoink your shit. You have to pay a reinstatement fee. So after you pay your ticket, make sure they haven't taken action against your driver's license, because I would always see like, oh, one ticket on the history and then fucking a suspended license. I'm like, I'm not fucking jamming this person up. They just fucking forgot to pay their ticket or whatever, you know, well, or depending it's on circumstance, obviously, but like use your brain a little bit and help these people out. Because the government does fuck them on some of the stuff.
0: And I think you know it as well as I do, is most of the time when you see these people with a suspended or evoked driver's license, right, that it, it just compiles. They get the one ticket, they forget the late fee, and then the next time they're getting another ticket for driving while well suspended, and then before they know it, they have five tickets, right? And in Minnesota, yeah, I said some things are close, but, like, when you're driving an hour to get to work and you live out, way out in the boonies in Minnesota, what are you supposed to do? Especially if you can't afford that ticket and you're trying to pay for your family, maybe that's a more liberal mindset of thinking about it. Right. But I think about that kind of stuff with, uh, when you're dealing with somebody and whether to write a ticket or not, because a ticket shouldn't be a sentence for a small crime of speeding. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And it, it's one of those things too. I think it's, it's relevant to bring up, you know, we talk about all the crime and stuff, but more people die on the road raids, roadways rather more people die on the roadways rather than anything else. So I think, you know, people poo-poo on traffic enforcement, and I'm one of those people. But I also recognize, you know, speed does kill. Excessive speed does and and all these things. Like, You know, again, I, I think people do have to take responsibility, and I'm not shitting on people for writing tickets, but if you're just writing tickets to churn out numbers and tickets, you really need to rethink on what you're doing, in my humble opinion. I agree with that. You know, I, and I don't know how their places work, but sure, you stop somebody a second time, same violation. Yeah, you, they, you're they, you you're talking at work, or if you can pull up, oh, shit, we, we talked to them three weeks ago for this, and they're still doing the same shit. Okay, whatever. I mean, it's all circumstantial, and I'm not saying, you know, you guys all make your good decisions, but don't fuck with people just to fuck with people. Luke Bryant once said famously, most people are okay. All right, I get that in every time I can because I know my brother cringes at it. That's a fair point, though. He was just on the podcast, actually, but that's not out yet for you. Uh, what is the proudest moment of your career?
0: I'd say uh, I. There's been a lot of moments where that have been really proud moments in my career. I've had a. I've been very lucky uh in the fact that i've had i've had a lot of experience in my my four and a half years i'd say the proudest moment was i was recognized for some work that i did with dwi enforcement and it was something where i wasn't supported by the department for it and i paved the way and uh at the end of the day it led me to where i am now and and the switching departments but I'm, I'm very proud of how hard I worked knowing all the circumstances behind it and continuing to keep moving forward, even in a climate that wasn't as supportive as I would have liked it to be.
1: I like that also. And I asked you the same question twice, but you just make us so proud. You have so many stories.
0: I, You know what? I try. And I, I got a lot of stories, but I'm kind of, I uh, will attribute this to my grandfather, but my grandfather always would say, you either have uh, or you have the gift of gab it can be a gift and a curse and uh, thankfully it's been a good gift in my career and I've been lucky to meet a lot of good people because of it I
1: I think it does help I mean I I, you know I'm still doing struggling I think sometimes at this finding my voice but I I think some of us are just blessed with being able to talk to people and I think that was a tool I had on the road is I could talk to people I like talking to people I found it enjoyable even if it was somebody i didn't like
0: you just gotta make the best of it and i think it's it's hard sometimes to recognize it in the moment but you're always we never get called to deal with somebody that's having a birthday party and they want us there to come celebrate with them
1: talk for yourself i always got invited to birthday parties you fucking loser
0: sorry we can't all be cool like you maybe that's just (laughs) how it is for colorado cops but doesn't happen here in minnesota
1: hey man you want to fucking come i don't know what do they say smoke this bong You think doing drugs is cool?
0: Anyway, sorry. (laughs) But like, I we're dealing with people at their worst moment at their worst time, and for us, it could be something that's routine that we deal with all the time. Like, I mean, like nothing's ever routine, right? It shouldn't be. But uh, going to a domestic and dealing with the same couple again and again and again. But to them, that's their worst fucking moment or their worst fucking day, and just having that humility to be able to talk to somebody. And listen, even if it's the stupidest bullshit you've ever heard, or even just fake it until you make it, it'll get you a long way in this job.
1: And in bed if you're my wife.
0: You're goddamn right.
1: <laughs> Sorry, honey. I'm doing my best. Would you want your kid to be a cop?
0: I I, I liked someone said it on this podcast where they talked about that they if their kids said they were gonna do it, that they would uh, support them. But I think there's so many better jobs out there, and it's not worth the. Uh, it's just not worth it. I think this job is very honorable, and I think it's something that I take obviously take a lot of pride in being someone that supports the history. But I don't think I'd want my kid to be a cop.
1: What do you think you would do if you weren't a cop?
0: Oh, I'd brew beer, hundred percent brew beer. Look at if you! There was, if there was money in the brewing industry, I'd be there tomorrow.
1: I, I had this all queued up, but I was like, well, that's not appropriate. <laughs> <Gage>! <laughs> I just figured you'd say something with patches, but yeah, I support brewing beer. <laughs> uh, okay, laugh at my own jokes.
0: I liked it, it was good.
1: All right, A new fun part of the podcast where I find entertaining. Paranormal or extraterrestrial encounters? Do you have any stories you think? People are full of shit. You believe? What, what do you got?
0: So I, I have one that would kind of fit like the paranormal, yeah. but I mean, it's it's more just a spooky story. But uh, one of my one one time I was working, uh, I was on patrol, and the acting sergeant and I got called to a house in a neighborhood because someone was knocking on their door. And so he drives through the area first. He's like, I didn't see anything. So I'm like, all right, this is just simple shit, right? It's like one in the morning. I'm like, I'm not going to see shit. Well, as I'm driving through the neighborhood, my headlights uh, reflect on a pair of eyes in the woods. And this woman walks out of the woods covered in blood. And I'm like, what oh. the fuck? I'm like, oh, shit. And so she walks up to my car. And the first thing she says to me is, I killed my baby.
1: And what I like, the fuck?
0: Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, shit. So i start some more cars and she's like i i just she's like i wish i knew where my baby was i can't find my baby she i think i killed her and i was what like, the fuck? so i i got resources coming in i got cars coming to the area to come start looking was and, that
1: casey and, anthony
0: <laughs> it might have been her sister jesus but so like as i, I talked to this woman i find out more about I, I end up getting out of her her name and i was able to get her address and so I sent some cars to the address I we're, we're searching out in the woods around this like little pond and no, we're not finding anything, but her hands are covered in blood. Her whole face is covered in blood. And I'm like, I'm just this fucking, I'm just like, what the fuck am I dealing with here? And I asked her just flat out, I'm like, did you kill your baby? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just as freaked out as everybody at this situation. And uh, long story short, she, it turned out that she had postpartum depression and mm. I didn't know that postpartum depression can cause you to hallucinate. Baby was safe and fine at home, sleeping in the crib, but she had uh, been suffering so hard from this depression that she had imagined that she had killed her kid, climbed out into the woods, fallen in the woods multiple times and had scratches all over her head and hands because she she's uh, fallen on some rocks.
1: That's a real thing, guys. Check on your ladies after they have a baby the postpartum is a real deal
0: but yeah, that no is
1: babies. a fucking extreme
0: no dead babies in the wood
1: jesus christ like that ooh. god that almost like freaks me out for that kid now like i hope she like got some help because postpartum is normal but that is like and it can be bad but that is like a whole nother level
0: yeah that was uh Part of a, a week that I had with dealing with weird situation with kids, I had another lady that had a, uh, she had a bunch of felony warrants, and she had a baby in a swimming pool in her basement because she didn't want to go to the hospital because she knew that they'd take the kid away. It was That's pretty awful. And then uh, the best part was as I walked down there, she sparks up a blunt and says to me, marijuana is good to relax the kids, just let them sleep. That's great for a newborn.
1: Where'd you learn that, Cheech? Drug school. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Was the baby okay, though?
0: Yeah, the baby was fine. They took that kid away. It was her fifth kid getting taken away.
1: God, I just, I imagine people in Minnesota being so docile, but you fucking, I ain't never going there.
0: It's pretty nice, let me tell you, especially this time of year. Hard no. (laughs)
1: All right, we talked about the best car. The moment we've all been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The only reason people actually listen to this podcast. Good sir, have you ever shit your pants as an adult?
0: Poof! I can't lie. This is an embarrassing story. Yes. Good. (laughs) So second day of being a cop ever in my life i was dry i had an hour drive to get to where to get to my department and the coffee just hit me a little too hard and i was i was trying to make it to work and i was in traffic and it was one of those moments where it was like i'm in my personal car so it's not like you could flip the lights on to get through traffic right and I, I was I was always a half hour early for fucking work, and I got to the apartment. I fucking ran into the restroom, and this is in the <laughs> lobby, right? So this is the shitty fucking restroom that, like, all the fucking drug addicts go into. I ran into that fucking restroom. Thank God it was empty, and it was too late.
1: Couldn't I quite make it there, listen. huh?
0: I didn't quite make it. <sighs> and it's like, I'm already a fucking hour away from home, so it's like, Fuck. <laughs> What do you fucking do? So I threw those drawers out, cleaned up as good as I could, and I went back in and I I had my second day as a cop.
1: <laughs> Holy shit. What a fucking trooper. So you can't call out sick?
0: You no, can't it's call out like, sick when you're new? No, and it's like you just go in, you deal with it, the situation, and I'm like, "Man, I hope I, I hope I smelled fine. I threw a little cologne on and just worked the worked with what I had."
1: Um did you tell your FTO you shit your pants?
0: Oh, I did not. And to this day, I don't think he'll ever know.
1: Unless he listens and recognizes your voice.
0: It's pretty all recognizable.
1: So, uh, you guys all sound the same, Ope. Oh, I, so. I, have a, <laughs> I have a poop story. I haven't shared a personal poop story in a while. And maybe I should have saved it for the Christmas episode, but uh, I'll probably almost shit my pants by then. So... I was in Walmart today and let me tell you folks, it is so nice to go shopping without your kids. You don't, it's like the most freeing experience ever. So my wife got off work early, kids in daycare, kids are in school. We're like, we got Christmas shopping to do. Let's fucking go to Walmart, which I know a lot of people are like, Walmart, get fuck off. I'm poor. Anyway, so we go to Walmart and I'm in a grand old time being able to walk around and not have kids tugging at me, asking for shit. And all of a sudden you ever get one of those times where like you start, like you get cold. You know what I mean? Like your body gets cold, but your gut gets warm. Like you get, start getting those cold sweats. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, something bad is about to happen. You're in trouble. It took all of the strength that I have of my sphincter. But I made it to the bathroom. So I made it to the bathroom, okay. But it was, it was bad. I mean, it was a terrible smell beyond what I normally do. Now, God, what are we talking about? This is embarrassing. But anyway, there was another fella in there having the time of his life also. And I got to thinking was the smell me or him or cross pollination? I was explaining this to my wife in the car later, and she says, we don't have kids. We're just hanging out together as a couple, kind of like a date, and you're explaining this to me. I said, yep, because you needed to hear about it, and so did the millions of you also. I'm going to go with cross-pollination, by the way.
0: That sounds like true love to me.
1: True love. (laughs) <laughs> All right. On that note, that could be the name of the podcast is Cross Pollination. The final question, good sir, before we bid our friends adieu for the year. Any words of wisdom for the millions of listeners to this terrible podcast?
0: I I, did, I think that the biggest point that I can get across, and hopefully it's kind of heard, but view law enforcement a lot like a bank. At, every day we make deposits of trust. And we're constantly working hard and building that trust with the community. And there's going to be times where we're going to have to take large withdrawals when a major incident happens across the United States that may not be our fault, but that's why we build these deposits of trust and why we keep working hard to build those good relationships. That's not brought on because you have a badge or because you work for a police department. That's brought on by the good work that the cops are out here doing that's not talked about. So keep on doing the good work. Uh, don't lose faith in the system even when the system doesn't have faith in you and uh keep doing the great work that is being done that we know that's being done
1: i'm sweating because it took so much strength not to hit hog gay
0: (laughs) do it do it do it do it
1: (laughs) the deposits got me but you're right you're right and i mean it's You talked about the story with the lady with the suspension and how you changed your outlook on policing. Those people, like the people that you just treat decently, like if you get a hard, again, I've been going on the ticket writers today a lot, but if you get a fucking hard on for writing somebody a, a fucking stupid ticket, why are you here? I get it. Laws are supposed to be enforced. We want safe driving. I get it. Yeah, somebody blows a red light, yeah, I'm going to write them a ticket too. Okay? I get it. But for dumb shit, okay, you can make so much difference in the world as a cop, but just taking two goddamn seconds to talk, talk to people, not being a goddamn fucking robot, and it will save us in the long run because people know. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but I've talked about this on the podcast. I had, I had a story where I lost my shit as a new guy and I want to go beat somebody's ass because they said some pretty fucked up shit to me. Which I will say this guy needed his ass beat but not by the cops, you know, because that's not what we do or should be doing. But I wasn't in FTO, but I was in a call with an FTO, a guy I think very highly of. I think he's a sergeant now. God, who knows? He might be a fucking chief by now. But he told me, he said, hey, look, I get it. That guy sucked, but If none of us are around and you get into something, and he he meant this in a broad sense, but the people on the street, they could save you. And the people in the neighborhoods that you regularly respond to, they know who all the different cops are in the neighborhood. You might not know everybody in the neighborhood, but they know you. And if they know who you are and know, yeah, he's a good dude. You know, he'll take people to jail, but he's a good dude. They respect you. They could help you out down a lot down the line. Not always, right? I'm not a fucking, you know, this isn't a utopia, but I think that respect goes a whole long way and it can help out in the long run. And remember, people burning down cities may or may not live there anyway. Just saying. Allegedly, of course. I mean, do you have any thoughts on well, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I don't want to plow all the ground, but if you were a betting man, how many people causing problems in Minneapolis were actually from Minneapolis?
0: I'd say it was a very, very small amount of people that actually were from the cities because I think after, I mean, like, I've spoke spoken with people on both ends of it, right? Uh, I've spoken with citizens that were there for it, and I've spoken with the cops that were there too. But I, at the end of the day, I think it's people that didn't give a shit about the city, And they didn't give a shit about other humans. I think there were people that were generally upset with what happened. And I don't think those are the people that were causing more harm to the cities and trying to destroy a place where people live and work. I mean, a homeless shelter was burnt to the ground. What good does that do for anybody? And a police department. And they let a police department burn. And think about the taxes and the money it's going to cost to rebuild that department and the loss of service that those citizens now face and are wishing that they had.
1: Buddy, I appreciate you, even though I'm starting to lose my voice again. It's been a theme. You know what? I'm not going to get into my normal shenanigans about asking you guys to buy stuff. Just kidding. Buy some stuff. But seriously, thank you guys all for listening to this podcast. Thank you guys for telling a friend. Thanks, everybody that's been on the podcast. It's been a really fun year. we got some fun stuff coming up. For the next podcast and we'll get back to the normal stuff in January but I don't know it's weird saying thank you I don't want to you know don't want to get too far <laughs> but seriously thank you guys I'm uh, I'm humbled that anybody listens to this and uh, thanks with that said you guys remember Minneapolis may be worse than Serbia but it's all Chicago and Milwaukee's fault And I love most of you. Have a safe new year. Bye-bye.